podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready? Play. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever in the world you are tuning in from. Nick and I are once again in the hot seat. I say once again because we were sat together about five, six months ago um, on a fairly drizzly day in London, albeit that we were in our own homes, as we commentated on the match that we're going to be looking back on today, our number five uh, in the WTA list of matches of 2023. And if you're not quite sure which match it is right now, because I've been a bit cryptic, I'm going to play our commentary or, well, Nick's face, and you can hear my voice from time to time as the match point is sealed on our, or I should say my, fifth best match of the year because I just chose it. I didn't consult anyone. <laughs> anyway, here we go. Match point on match number five uh, of the WTA list. Right on, Nick, give us a give us a warning. <laughs> give us a warning. It's okay. It's fine. I got this. I get did this out. Go on. And and as I uh, give us a um, a little commentary, I'll offer a little commentary on match number five of 2023 on the WTA side. Uh, headphone users, beware. Good warning. Wide from Shabur, 40-30. Nervy, nervy, nervy. I mean, she. She just wanted Sabalenka to, to make a mistake, I think, on that point. She's, wait, she's, she's playing for the Sabalenka on forced error. And then the minute she tried to go for the backhand, it was tight and dragged out wide. And the crowd are, the crowd are applauding. Her, tr her coach is trying to lift her up. One more match point. She's done it with an ace! Just made a Wimbledon final for the second year in a row. Ladies and gentlemen, what a comeback. What a player. Anshabur, the hero of the Arab world. I couldn't be happier. The Wimbledon the final. couldn't be happier. Tennis couldn't be happier. There we go. Us bringing you the drama. And we'll try and replicate that drama again today. Um, maybe we won't quite hit those heights. Um, what are your thoughts now, five or six months later? And, and probably our thoughts even changed 48 hours later, didn't they, on that match, maybe? Uh, yeah, they really did. Because obviously, uh, the Wimbledon final was, will not be in this top seven. I highly doubt no. it. No. Um, it was I a... mean, it's in, it's in, in Von Drusova's top one, but... It doesn't well, make probably, out. Probably, yes. Um, oh, well, yeah, definitely for her, like, the match of her career. Um, but she was the one who, for whom nerves, dealt with the nerves the best in that final. But that's not the match we're talking about. Um, I don't think it should lessen the achievement that Jabir made from this match, given we're going to go through it. You know, there's a reason why she made it match of the year. It wasn't one of the match of the year. It wasn't just about the emotion of the result. Um, although it was significant, it was nice to see Ons, who'd had a great start, a, a, a tough start to the year, seemed to be going on the up and then injury hit her again. Mm -hmm. It was nice to see her kind of back in the mix. And given how, what happened, like the Wimbledon final the previous year, we didn't know whether she'd have another chance. It looked like she would this time. So that was the emotion behind it. But I think as we go through it, um, the big thing about this match was 
just how well she played and how she stood up to Arena Sabalenka in a way that few players at that point in the season were doing. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a Sabalenka who's won the Australian Open, been in the final at Indian Wells, got to the semi-final uh, at Roland Garros. And in fact, she would go on to make the semi-finals at all four slams this year because she would repeat that uh, uh, feat in New Beating York. Beating in Madrid in an epic. Yes, of course. Yeah. So she was in fine fettle. And, and I think of the four slams, um, you know, I think Wimbledon is, is, is very achievable for her. You know, just even watching the highlights just again, just a few moments ago, uh, I was watching that thinking there's a Wimbledon inside this woman. That's for mm. sure. And I was thinking it about Sabalenka. Uh, and actually, if you said, ask me right now, one of the, if you said one of these two is going to win a Wimbledon in their career, I would probably be a little bit more confident about Sabalenka. But that perhaps is a debate for another day. Um, but back to Shabur, uh, and just as you were talking then, it made me think of your Roland Gauss prediction that Jabir would do well there, or she was high, I think, in your power rankings for uh, yeah. Roland Gauss. And I think many of us, and me included, were a little bit skeptical about that because of basically she'd barely been playing lots, lots of this year in terms of she had an injury in the first couple of months. She then comes back. She gets injured again in Stuttgart. It felt like she was rushing back for Roland Gauss, but actually she made the quarters, I think, in Paris. Yeah, and she did quite well. Yeah, and um, justified your... I mean, I think she's got the game for both the clay and the grass. It was just that there was, she just wasn't showing me any form that suggested she would do well there. And she surprised me by getting as far as she did, and she may even have gone even further. But um, yeah, so then we've got the Wimbledon thing, and there's a bit more optimism around her. But I don't recall her... I think she played Berlin, but went out quite early yeah. uh, in Berlin, I think. A, a tournament, of course, she's won before. So that was her build-up. But the more important build-up to this match occurred 48 hours before. It was kind of 96 hours for Jabir, the, the roller coaster of emotions, because the match against Rybakina was almost as sensational as this one. And there, I was debating which one to include and having a few issues over including one, because then they kind of get confused between the two. And as we progress through the match, um, actually, there's a lot of similarities between both matches. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, coming off the back of the Rebecca match, actually, I think probably other people or me start to think, well, she, she's got a chance of beating Sabalenka. Whereas if you'd asked me a few weeks before, I would have had a lot more doubt. Yeah, I would have done too. Um, I can't remember exactly how I ranked things ahead of Wimbledon, um, but... I think I had arms in the mix, but I was I wasn't uh, super. I, I think I was more thinking Sabalenka or someone like that. Um, it it was uh, I I think it was uh, the way she was going, and like you were saying before, like Sabalenka seemed to have, be destined to Wimbledon, get to Wimbledon. Her game is built for grass. She was almost unfortunate not to make the Wimbledon final in twenty one against Barty, but Plesh, she came against Pleshkova on a really really good day. Yeah. And in many ways, the same thing happened this time round. She came across on Jabir having a very, very good day. Um, having a good week, as, um, as it were. Because like Jabir battled her way through. She had, uh, she'd had a few epics. There was a three-setter in round three that she did as well that was actually really good. And I've forgotten who it was against. Um, yeah, let's have a quick look at her. I'll have a quick she, look at her. She role. also took apart Kvitova in round four. I remember that. Now, yes. Kvitova wasn't playing re that well in that match, but... It was like I was watching it going, Kvitova's not playing that well, but I don't think Ons is even allowing her to play well as well. So it was a it was a bit of both in that one. Um, 
And I think maybe that round three match woke arms up a bit. Um, and that Rebecca win was very significant for her too, because it was almost the, I remember thinking of it as the reverse of the 2022 final, where in that one, on started strongly and then um, uh, kind of faltered and Rebecca came back, came into it, whereas and kind yeah. of turned the tide. This time round, it was Rebecca who got the better start. Jabir forced the issue and Rebecca couldn't sustain it. Oh, it was Andrescu. Yes, it was Andrescu, who wasn't that far from winning that match, it has to be said, in that third mm-hmm. round. Um, yeah, and uh, th- there's more parallels as well with the Rebecca one because uh, Rebecca kind of did race away. I mean, she was all, she was a double breakup in the in the in the final of 2022, and Jabir, of course, ends up kind of running away with that third set as well. But the the parallel will, of course, between the quarterfinal and semifinal, keep up at the back, is the fact that the, you know she lost a kind of painful tie break. Um, we'll get to the tie break in the Sabalenka match shortly, but yeah, but then managed to kind of snatch the second set and, and run away with the third. So lots of parallels with, for Jabir in, in other matches that she'd experiences or even opposites in terms of that Rebecca match. Um, and yeah, you and I were, were commentating on it. Um, and, uh, should we get into the first set? I think it might be an, an idea unless you've got anything else to say in the preamble. No, nothing, nothing much to add for the preamble. I think we've previewed, if you can preview a past match pretty well. Okay. So let's, uh, get into, uh, proceeding. So, we had uh, Jabir winning the first point. I, I sometimes think it's kind of always interesting to look back on the first point. And it's uh, Sabalenka serving, but it's an incredible backhand winner down the line from Jabir. Both players played quite aggressively. Jabir in a slightly different manner, to, manner, of course, to Sabalenka. But Sabalenka showed some deft touches as well, which is bodes well for her future on, on this surface as well. Uh, Sabalenka had to save the first break point, I believe, of the match at one all. Uh, also, so basically it looked like, you know, Jabir was applying the pressure to Sabalenka. So, uh, interesting how things panned out at the end of that first set. We, I remember you saying just now as well, some excellent passing shots, uh, from Jabir as well, full repertoire, um, you know, this way and that, you know, Sabalenka's dominating the net and Sab- and Jabir's having to bend down and sort of do a loopy one, uh, pastor, which was nice at one point on the backhand side. Um, but then... Back camp comes Sabalenka, and we do end up going into a tie break. Um, I, I, I guess I still wasn't full of optimism for Jabot at this point going into the tie break. Um, it was tough because Jabot should have won that first set. She was actually creating more opportunities than Sabalenka was. She had more break point chances. She was um, putting pressure on Sabalenka, as you say, with moving her around um, a lot, using... Um, her variety, um, try, make, trying to avoid Tabalenka using the power and uh, the, using what became quite clear through the match was going to be a key weapon was her return was on point um, throughout, yeah. um, apart from maybe first part of the second set. But um, unfortunately, um, I think it was it was kind of the the middle part middle to back end of the tie break where it all went wrong um up to yeah. that point she was actually fending off sabalenka and even dictating against her at points but mm-hmm. just couldn't quite convert um so going into the tie break you would think uh, maybe she has the edge but then i've seen plenty of tie breaks where you know 
the player who's had to defend takes the opportunity mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. Um, to spring on them. Like the most obvious one I could think in the men, actually was a men's match, um, Alcaraz Rude 2022 US Open final, where Rude arguably sh- was up in that third set, but mm-hmm. faltered in the tie break. Mm-hmm. Um, and arguably the same sort of thing happened here. Jabir was up 4-2, sealing that 4-2 lead with an, one of the points of the match, if not the point of the match, mm-hmm. and then lost the next four. Yeah. Exactly. And that, in a way, was the tiebreak. I mean, it wasn't enough to get Sabalenka over the nine, but it was enough to give her set points. But yeah, that, that just quickly, though, that forehand on the run down the line from Chabert was just out of this world. Um, kind of reminiscent of a forehand, albeit obviously on the left-hand side from Rafa against Daniel Medvedev in the Aussie Open final of 2022. So for those of you who haven't watched it, but you remember that one, that may give you a bit of an idea. But but possibly on grass, it's even harder to execute given the low bounce that you obviously get. But as you suggested, um, four points in a row from Savalenka basically puts her in charge of this tiebreak, which she does go on to seal. Uh, you and I as well just had a quick look at the first set stats. And one that stood out for me was that Ons was winning just 44% on her second serve. All the other stats, by the way, were very impressive for Ons, but it was like maybe not winning the biggest points of them all in the tiebreak, but also uh, that 44% second serve on grass, you would expect and hope it to be much better. It was going to get better, though. We're going to find out in a minute. But anyway, Sabalenka takes the first set and it's kind of... The one who I thought was the more likely to win has now won the first set and is in the driving seat. And very much in the driving seat because then she then broke relatively early in the second set. And by that point, felt like, okay, momentum's with Sabalenka here. She's going to reach the Wimbledon yeah. final. By that point, we knew Von Drushifu was there. But even if it had been Svitolina, um, we would have backed Sabalenka to be the favourite in that one, um, yeah. maybe. Um, especially given the kind of grueling routes Svitolina would have taken. But... Von Drusheva also you know, had battled a fair bit. And uh, yeah, Sabalenka um, looking very good. Except Andrzeba had other ideas. She very and much did, yeah. I, I, I don't know, because obviously we, we, we just watched the highlights reel. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe your recollection is different. But my recollection is, I, I, okay, I, I don't fully recollect whether Andrzeba changed it and forced the momentum or whether Sabalenka faltered I think, I think it was a little of both yeah I think I would add this because uh, you know I think there's a bit of sense in both of those but I would actually add something in that I think Ons was playing probably even better than we realized even before yes. that you know things just weren't working out for her she maybe didn't win the big points she didn't win the break points that she was garnering in the first set she didn't continue when she you know she hits that unbelievable forehand down the line but that was at 4-2 in the tie break it wasn't at at 6-4 or 6-5 or something um and Sabalenka was able to sort of hang in there and ultimately win those biggest points. Hanging there is probably a bit unfair because she also was playing sensationally, taking the ball very early and aggressively. Although that um, the the second set big moments do get away from her because maybe she pulls the, the trigger a little bit too early as well, and a couple of unforced errors that one of which certainly goes long. Uh, but I think Arns was just playing at such a high level that you know you keep knocking at the door and and you you think it's going to eventually open. The problem was. His time was running out because it was 40-30, for example, on the Sabalenka serve at 4-3 and a break. And so she's got a game point for a 5-3 lead. Um, But Ons fights back. 
And she does go on to break at that point, and it's then for all. But still, it's a long way back for Arns. This is just mm. the first hurdle that she's overcome, if you like, and she's given her a chance in the second set. Uh, she then holds serve for 5-4, and now suddenly, you know, it's Sabalanka under a little bit of pressure. But again, it's on serve, and she's won the first set. So the car- cards are very much in Sabalenka's favour. But on strikes, and strikes with Venom with that return of serve. Yeah. Uh, return winner on set point, uh, yep. which is incredible. That was, um, yeah, it, the way she pulled that off was incredible. And the thing is, that shot was not the only one she did that whole match. It was possibly a significant one. But uh, as I alluded to earlier, the ret- she was able to get Sabalenka's serve in play with Venom. Um, and suddenly Sabalenka's not playing every point in her service games on the front foot anymore. Um, her second points behind her second serve, one dropped to 50% in that second set. Um, it was a um, it was a great performance by Arnold to say like you, I, I really agree with what you said earlier with like it was such a high level from Ons and Arena wasn't really playing badly either and that's what made every rally that got into a significant rally just so incredible to watch because um, it, it was just great to watch for different reasons obviously Sabalenka has that raw power but Ons has that flatness to her strokes that um, on grass is just so effective um, yeah it, it, I think Ons really had some steel in her eyes by that second set and really watching her this match is you know we we I think Ons almost has a little bit of a reputation for also being a falter a bit like Sabalenka at points but maybe mm-hmm. slightly worse mm-hmm. Um I think she's kind of dispelled a lot of that in recent years, um, apart from Wimbledon finals. Um, but um, when she's on and she's focused and she's driven, she's as dangerous as any other Grand Slam champion on tour right now, whether it's Sabalenka, Sviantec, Goff. Yeah, she, she can be right up there with them. Definitely, yes. And so... It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The stat that I mentioned a few moments ago that I said things would get better on, the second serve, 44% won in the first set, now almost double that at 78% uh, won on second serve in the second set. All the other stats were were, were very similar, and there were winners from from both Shabur and Sabalenka um, uh, that took the breath away. And, of course, that's one of the reasons why it does make this list. Of course, they did meet at Wimbledon, didn't they? I think in 2021, uh, and Sabalenka won on that occasion. So uh, some potential revenge for Jabir. But I, I also know that they get on pretty well. They share their data analyst or the data analyst team, if you like. They, it works with both players. Uh, Shane Leonage, who's been on the show a few times before to speak about that relationship and, and especially to talk about what's it, what's it like when they're playing each other and Basically, they get the data, but they don't necessarily get a huge amount more to lean on. Whereas, of course, 
when each player is up against anyone else on the tour, you know, Shane is very much in their box and on their side and, and, and they're at their beck and call. But uh, it's kind of like, a, a, here's the data on, on your opponent and you go figure it out kind of thing, which which kind of makes sense. Um, but anyway, Jabir was also to eke out an advantage in the third set. And in fact, in a way, the third set has slightly less of a narrative in that Jabir took that break. But as as we heard from the commentary at the beginning, there was a bit of hanging on there from Jabir, as, the, as there often is the case when you get an early-ish break uh, in a set. And we saw, of course, in the, in the, in the men's final as well with Alcaraz against Djokovic. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, but can you hang on? And it's almost like you can break too early sometimes. Definitely. And um, I, I think that's very common in tennis is uh, the pressure. Actually getting the early break gives you more pressure than breaking mid-set in many ways. If you can, if you're confident yeah. enough on your serve um, and there's no pressure to hold, um, more, well, there's always a pressure to hold, but there's, it's more pressure to stay in front in many ways um, because the, the pressure reduces on the one who's chasing. Um, I think Ong's actually did quite a good job of keeping Sabalenka down in that third set for most of it. Like the momentum was very much with her. I think Sabalenka lost a little bit of, uh, I'm not going to say confidence, but um, I think it did knock her back a bit, that that sudden reversal of momentum in that second set. Um, and Ong's was on fire by that point. And I, I don't, there was a sentiment of holding on, but I, I don't remember it getting particularly significant until the the last game where she had 40 love and she needed three match points to seal it mm -hmm. um which she did spectacularly with what is probably going to be one of the most iconic lines of talking tennis commentary um <laughs> from yourself uh but the um yeah i i think uh i think that's i, I think the pressure this was the match i think that I've seen Jabir deal with the pressure the best uh, of almost any Jabir match I can think of, to be honest, um, where she's on the verge of another Wimbledon final. She's against an opponent who could easily turn it around and she does stave her off. Um, I didn't see the stats for the third set, but one other thing I wanted to say about it up to the match up to that point was actually Jabir had been making very, very few errors that whole match up to that point, mm -hmm. actually. Um, and it'd been, that's another reason why it was so high level was it was just so clean which is what she needs to be against Sabalenka, who even on a good day, her power does get the better of her sometimes. So, um, yeah, overall, really strong performance. And let's face it, anyone gets nervous serving out for a Wimbledon final at 40 love. Yeah, uh, Sabalenka also hit the fastest serve of the tournament uh, in this particular match. Uh, I'll just post that up on the screen there at 121 miles an hour or just shy of 200 kilometers an hour. So Jabir managed to deal with a, a very, of course, don't forget the roof was closed, which again, maybe would just give a slight advantage to a big server like Arena. But um, Ons, like so many other hurdles uh, in her career, but also at Wimbledon this year, managed to overcome that. Um, after the match, uh, you know, an understandably crestfallen arena and, uh, uh, you know, a very content Ons. Uh, Ons said, uh, after the match, she said, I'm very proud of myself. And old me would have lost that match, interestingly, and would be home right now. But I dug deep and found the strength. And she absolutely had to, of course, when she was down uh, a set and a break. Um, she also said thanks to the crowd who kept her in the match. I think she probably did have a slightly slightly more of the support because I think when 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 the Wimbledon crowd see somebody who lost in the in the final year before and has yet to get over the line, I think that helps her support narrative, if you like, right? 
it's the Jan Novotner effect. Um, yeah, really. Yeah, I think a lot of British tennis fans remember Novotner, remember the journey she had to go on, and I think Jabeur is starting to build that kind of comparison with the the British tennis fans, even though she plays the game very differently. That sort of always the bridesmaid type vibe to her um, creates that narrative a little bit, um, and obviously that's what happened in the final. Um, I think, uh, but she she did have plenty of crowd support, which, which she had plenty of crowd support there. Um, I think she was boosted by the crowd support in the semi-final. Um, but, you know, we were talking about her exploits and how well she was playing. And yeah, it did feel like a new Jabeur. Um So maybe some of the things we've said about her and what happened in the final at the end was possibly a bit tough. Because I remember the, I remember when Pam Shriver came on WTA Weekly and she said, actually, it was going to be a tough um ask for Shabur given she dropped three sets she'd had three epics on the way in and actually maybe she just ran out of energy and mm-hmm. um, had she been fresher maybe she hadn't had the fight with Andrescu or um she'd converted that first set against Rabakina um maybe it would have been a uh, she would have given her a bit more to play with in the eventual uh final but um, I think the fact that she took a lot of confidence from that semi-final win and she got plenty of revenge this tournament um, against a lot of people. Um, that I think that's still uh, why why this result is so, so brilliant for her. Ifs, buts and maybes, but um, unfortunately she wasn't able to to go on and, and win the tournament, as we all know. Uh, just having a quick look at some of the uh, end of match stats between Arns and Arena, as we can see, Arena unsurprisingly out acing her opponent, but perhaps also not surprisingly out double faulting her too. Um, total points won there. I always think it's kind of curious. It, it shows how close it was, but ultimately Ons just had the edge on that stat. The stat that probably stands out the most, and again, you might say it's not surprising, but Ons is a risk taker too, you know, drop shots and slices, you know, uh, and there was a couple of rallies. I saw them both slicing and one of arenas just crept over the net. And I thought, wow. But I also noticed in that slicing exchange that, Ons could have kept going all day mm. and you just had a feeling that that Arena was going to do one of three or four things, was either going to err with a slice, was either going to lose patience on an on slice or maybe just carelessly put a bit too much height on one of hers. And ultimately, it was one of those three things that would often happen. And yes, yeah, so the unforced errors count was was triple, more than triple from Arena compared to Ons. And I guess that was probably the biggest difference between them uh, on yeah. the day. For sure. As I said, Ons was far more solid. I think she, I don't think she made, I think the graphic said that she didn't make any unforced errors, or at least almost almost no unforced errors in set two, where mm-hmm. she turned things around. Um, really, most of those unforced errors actually came in set three. As as said, it's very much building the narrative. Set three was all about her holding on. Um, yeah. But yeah, as, as I said, like she was not only able to challenge Arena with plenty of aggression, but it was much more controlled. And yeah, that was what made the difference. In, in this match. Going back to something I said at the beginning, because I think now it's time to sort of reflect, but also to look forward. Um, one of these two players is winning Wimbledon in their career and one is not. Which one is it? As of the end of 2023, I would say Irina Sabalenka mm-hmm. because of where she is in her career relative. She's younger yeah. She has a game that's built for grass. Yeah. She is riding high at the minute um, as one of the legit contenders at every major she plays. Mm-hmm. Um, she's on a run of 
what is it? Um, five straight semi-finals. Five, five straight semi-finals appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she she beats everyone except, it, and, and it takes someone at the very very top having a very very good day to beat her. Yeah, I don't want to rule out Anshibur. Anshibur's no. game is also built for grass, mm-hmm. um, in a different way. I think there is, as I said, there's that Jan and Avotna effect. But does lightning mm-hmm. strike twice? Ons is getting older. Is she getting injury mm-hmm. prone? Um, if you're looking at likelihood, because it's not a question of ability at all. Uh, but if you're looking at likelihood, it is Savalenka. But if it goes down, they have a rematch and it ends up being 2-1. Ons can say that she made it close. Yeah. Uh, when Novotna, by the way, got over the line uh, with her Wimbledon victory five years after her first Wimbledon lot final loss, she actually lost another one in between as well. She was 29 years and nine months, so just short of her 30th birthday. Ons right now is, uh, she's 29 and <laughs> will be, actually, will probably be about the same age um, as Yana was uh, come next summer because her 30th won't be until August. Their, their birthdays must be very close um, because um, Ons is end of August and I'm wondering if if um, Yana's is around the same time. No, Yana's is beginning of October. So Ons will be slightly older, but but similar in, in age, let's yeah. say, if she does finally get over the line next year. But yeah, I'm, I'm erring right now towards uh, Arena. I, I think if you just answering that question alone, do I think Arena Sabalenka is going to win a Wimbledon? I would say yes. No, no guarantees, no certainties, but I would say yes. She will win a Wimbledon at some point in her career. Ons, I'm just not sure. Of course, with every one that that slips through the fingers in a way, because both finals in very very different ways did slip through the fingers for Ons, and so I have uh, a few more worries there. But um. Of course, I think you could tell from our commentary. I think we both would like her to one day get over the line. I think a lot of people would. I, you say Ons is fr- and Arena are friends. Unsurprisingly, the two of the nicest yeah. people on tour. Yeah. But Ons is the minister of happiness, and mm-hmm. nobody dislikes her. And she. I love that. Loved- I love that story with her having. Um, was it the rosewater? The rosewater dish on her on her phone mm-hmm. uh, in the twenty twenty two Wimbledon, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think I think we all wanted to get over the line. Sorry, I was interrupting you there as you were. Yeah, yeah. We all, I think we all wanted to, and like it's people around. Like, it's not just us. Like, I think we're getting caught up in her story, right? I only really started investing in Anjouber in 2022 when she started really shooting up as a contender um, because we weren't sure about it. We knew she was good. We knew she was talented. Uh, we knew she had a game built for grass. I remember. I think I first really saw her playing when she won Birmingham in 2021 and then used that momentum to get to the quarterfinals, as we mentioned, where she lost to Sabalenka. Um, and I think for her to be, I think Ons is someone, like she, she's also been to three Grand Slam finals. She's come this close so many times. Um, I, I don't think anyone likes a story of someone that you root for Um not quite making it um that someone you like not quite making it but also just anyone anyone getting so close and not falling short because when you see stories of people finally achieving it it makes everyone else believe a little bit more in their dreams Hmm. so let's hope that ons gets hers 
Wonderful words, Nick. And I think with that, we will bring to a close the number five match of the year on the WTA side, uh, the semi-final at Wimbledon, which saw Angebur overcoming Arena Sabalenka in three glorious sets. So, everybody else, you know the drill. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.